Tonight, growing condemnation of Donald Trump's comments encouraging Russia to attack any NATO ally, which does not spend enough on its own defense. It is, quote, solely in the interest of Russia, according to the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz. And in the United States, the Joint Chiefs Chairman, C.Q. Brown, trying to reassure allies about America's commitment to them tonight. U.S. credibility is at stake with each of our alliances, and uh, U.S. leadership is still uh, needed, wanted, and watched. Well, the reason for all of this is because of something that Trump said, which has sent shockwaves around the world after he said this about NATO. One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. All right, well, obviously, just to be clear what that means, to encourage them to do whatever the hell they would want, I mean, the way it is right now is that NATO considers an attack on any member country to be an attack on all, including the United States. So in giving that up, anecdote, if it occurred, Trump is either signaling his intent to abandon NATO, a crucial military alliance, which is defined the world after World War II, or he is potentially inviting World War III. So out front now, the former CIA director and retired Army General David Petraeus. So General Petraeus, um, obviously, whether an incident like this actually occurred as it's uh, as he relays it is, is highly suspect. But the point that he's saying, if, if, I, if you don't pay your delinquent, uh, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. What's your reaction when you hear that? Well, it's concerning. Uh, in fact, all day long, I've been fielding emails from old colleagues. You know, I actually had assignments where I was dual-headed as a U.S. and a NATO officer at the one, three, and four-star level. So a lot of experience with NATO and a number of earlier assignments as well. And everyone's seeking reassurance, uh, just as was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and I agree very much uh, with him and what he said. There's a particular irony about this, too, and that is that the Europeans have really been stepping up in recent years, particularly, of course, after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. He had a point when he was in office, as did all of his predecessors. Again, I heard this from President Obama yeah. at a NATO, NATO summit when I was a NATO commander. Yeah. I heard it from President Bush. Uh, Secretary Gates, at his final gathering of the, the uh, NATO defense ministers railed on this subject. So there is absolutely a point hmm. here, but there has been actually considerable progress. And we're talking about the 2% of GDP on defense. We're, we're not including, again, what Europe is doing for Ukraine in all the different areas. By the way, they've actually Which now Which, as you point out, pledged, exceeds. They've pledged the more even in security assistance than we have now. We've done about $44 billion dollars that's over a two-year period in which we had annual defense budgets of over $800 billion each year. Yes. This is easily affordable. But at the end of the day, this is really about our cold, hard national interest. Keep in mind that Russia, first of all, would never stop if they achieved their objectives in Ukraine. Moldova, Lithuania, a NATO member would just, be next. Just to put an exclamation point on that, you're saying is they would not stop. This no, whole, oh, they'd no, be happy if no. you just everyone would negotiate and settle for a couple provinces in the Donbass. This is complete nonsense. He has yeah. never stopped. His goal since taking office increasingly has been to reassemble as much of the former Soviet Union or Russian Empire as he can. Remember, this yeah. is someone who said that the worst geopolitical catastrophe of the previous century, which included two world wars and the Great Depression, was the dissolution of the Soviet Union. And by the way, he holds us responsible for that. So his grievances are not even just with his neighbors and former Soviet Union republics, it's with the United States. And we should recognize that 
and recognize that we do not want him to succeed uh, because, again, it won't stop. And that's the real question before our Congress right now. This is not just about Donald Trump and overly populist rhetoric on the campaign trail yep. uh, causing all kinds of concerns with our NATO allies and undermining deterrence at the end of the day, therefore, as well, or at least uh, creating some doubts about that. Right. This is about what's going on on Capitol Hill right now, where if this $60 billion package, together with the additional funding for uh, Israel and for the Indo-Pacific region, yep. uh, Ukraine is in serious trouble. And you, you mentioned Israel. Uh, we now understand that about 100 uh, Gazans were killed by Israeli airstrikes as part of that operation to free the two hostages, uh, which happened over the weekend. This is according to Israeli officials. So they're, they're, they're saying this. I'm sorry, according to local officials, just to be clear. But they're saying uh, 100 people were killed. CNN is reporting that President Biden's growing increasingly frustrated uh, with Prime Minister Netanyahu and the possibility of slowing this down, of a ceasefire, of anything of the sort. Um, I, I'm curious, um, you know, that he's, he's, he's really frustrated. Apparently, the call yesterday was 45 minutes. And he, he got off and, and he was, uh, feels that he's being ignored, ignored by Netanyahu. And I wanted to ask you about this, General, because the United States has spent about $300 billion on economic and military aid to Israel, of course, um, dwarfing the aid to any other country in the region. Can you explain why Biden does not have more leverage over Prime Minister Netanyahu, why he would feel ignored? Well, I'll leave that to those that study domestic politics in the U.S. But let me actually just comment on the bigger issue here. Yeah. Because I actually believe that Prime Minister Netanyahu is right to want to destroy Hamas. I don't believe this, this is an organization with whom you can reconcile or you can leave them uh, still right. alive. And keep in mind, by the way, destroy doesn't mean every single last leader and member. It just means to render the enemy incapable of accomplishing his mission without reconstitution. Keep your eye on that task. Um, I believe they have to dismantle the political wing, again, as he did. And I believe they need, to, obviously, to get their hostages back. And it was great to see that they did get two of them back uh, here in the last 48 hours. The problem is that how you go about this matters. Uh, and we used to have a sign on the wall about the command centers. You know, I had five combat commands. And this sign was staring me in the face and it asked, will this operation take more bad guys off the street than it creates by its conduct? And you've got to really think that through. Because well, there, it, that, there seems to be an obvious answer to that in this case. Uh, it may be. Again, I, unless you really know what's the target, what's the Well, I mean, the, I'm, the, I don't mean in this specific so case forth. of two hostages yeah. for 100. Yeah. I mean what's happening with the Israeli operation in Gaza. Well, I think the president's reservations and the secretary of state's and, and, and others are founded. Uh, there is substance here. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't destroy Hamas, though. And that's where I find the mm. disconnect. And I'm concerned that even in northern Gaza, where they have cleared a considerable portion of that area, you see Hamas trying to reconstitute. Remember, you have to keep them from reconstituting. We learned the hard way after we withdrew our combat forces and the Iraqis took their eye off uh, the Islamic State uh, that they can reconstitute. That was the first ever Islamist extremist caliphate. So how they go about this is critical, and they've got to get many of these more than a million Palestinian civilians down in southern Gaza, back into their homes in northern Gaza, even if heavily damaged, um, and show them that life will be better and secure them from Hamas. All right. General Petraeus, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Good to be with you, Aaron. Thank All you. Right.